0: The Lord be with you and with your spirit. a reading from the Holy Gospel according to mark Jesus said to his disciples in those days after that tribulation the Sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Many years ago when I lived in Texas I had a friend named John and he he sort of got me into mountaineering and then I got him into cycling and so but we both met rock climbing with each other so we just we just had the same sports in common and he went to go climb Mount Rainier on a particular occasion and this is when we lived in Texas so real flatlanders you know at that time and he had this story that he told me and I always thought that it was such a such a funny thing and so Back, back then, especially, it was really common for people to use plastic mountaineering boots. And they're not uncommon today, but, but not as, as in frequent use. But you use plastic mountaineering boots because they're kind of idiot-proof, right? They, they can't get wet, and they keep your foot warm. They're not the most comfortable in the world, but they do work for the two main purposes you need them for. And so, unfortunately, though, because they're plastic, in the extremes of temperature, they can kind of expand and contract a little bit. And so one of the integral parts that you need especially here in the in the pacific northwest because we call our snow sometimes cascade concrete right it's like wet heavy snow and it quickly forms into icy layers as we're like in colorado the snow's light and fluffy and you need like snowshoes to stay on top of that but here you need crampons the spikes that you clip to the bottom of your boots to really move safely up the mountain especially mount rainier So he had his crampons, and back in this day, crampons, you needed a wrench to adjust the length of them to your boot. Nowadays, you don't need a wrench. All this, you know, great technology and everything. But back then, you needed a wrench. But he was what we call in the industry a weight weenie, right? So he didn't want to carry any extra weight with him. So he fixed the crampons to his boots and knew what the length was, and then he didn't bring the wrench. And so now they're up there on the mountain, and he's with a guide service at the time. And then his crampon comes off of his boot and so then the guide is there with him and he looks at you know looks at him and he says well do you have do you have the wrench and then he looks at the guide who's wearing the exact same boots and the exact same crampons and he's like no do you and he's like no but my crampons fit my boots <laughs> you know and so then he goes and takes a big roll of duct tape out of his backpack and just wraps the crampon on his boot so it doesn't fall off. And apparently it lasted all the way to the summit and then all the way down. So I guess it worked in a pinch. But in that, I tell that particular story because, you know, this this gospel gives what many of the other gospels do and many of the other parables that Jesus tells us about this one of preparation. You know, we hear many, many times before, two will be in the same bed and one will be there and one will be left. You know, we hear all of these things about um being prepared for the coming of the kingdom of god one of the things we have to remember too is that when jesus starts his ministry after he's baptized by john the baptist one of the very first things he does is he and it's one of the mysteries that we always account in the rosary is he goes out to galilee proclaiming the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel and he speaks about this in like the here and the now now of course I'm sure many of you know, at this time, with, with the events of, that are going on in the world, a lot of people have, again, started to talk about the end times, the coming, the second coming of Jesus again. And so that's something that's on everybody's minds, it's on books, it's on YouTube, and it's everywhere um, that we're looking today with inside the, the church, the churchy circles of the world, right? But there's this really important clarification that's really here at the end. It's like, but of the day or the hour, no one knows neither the angels of heaven, nor even the Son, but only the Father. Now, that's, that's an often confusing little scripture verse there that a lot of people look at, but it's been written about from the early church fathers all the way from, like, St. Augustine to others. And what it essentially means is that we always have to remember that Jesus is fully divine and fully human, but just because his divine nature can be aware of all things, within the unfolding of revelation the revealing of god's plan it simply is not revealed to him in his humanity at, the, at that time it doesn't mean that it takes anything away from his divinity at all but it just kind of goes to show you that one of the things he's been always trying to impress on the people of his day and on the apostles is the time to be ready is right now this isn't something that you want to wait for um, even though nobody knows that time So one of the main things, the most important things I want to talk about, is the preparation itself. A lot of times we really, really worry, what is it that I need to do? It's been the same thing for the longest period of time. So one of the things that we have to remember is they're describing one of the things that we need to be reminded of sometime. Now, those of you that are are older than me and that had uh, parents... That really drilled catechism into you or religious sisters or brothers that taught you this stuff you know that there is a second coming of jesus jesus came to the earth but then after his resurrection he's on the earth for 40 days and he appears to many people and then he ascends into the sky into heaven out of the sight of the apostles and it says that he will come again in the same way but this is something we're often warned about in the gospel it's like don't believe those that are coming to you saying that they're the one because if they haven't come in the same way that jesus left they're not the one you know so he's just like beware of imposters because there are many imposters in the world now some of you may have read this book i'm about to mention but there's a book called the lord of the world and this book was it was an interesting book because both Pope Benedict and uh, Pope Francis have mentioned this book before. Specifically, Pope Francis brings this book up to reporters on a plane on the way to Manila, on the way to the Philippines. He brings up, I want all of you to read this book. I love it that he tells the press, you guys all should read this book to realize something. And this book, The Lord of the World, has an interesting authorship as well. Robert Hugh Benson is the author who wrote this book. And he was a Catholic priest, but originally... He was an Anglican, and his father was the Archbishop of Canterbury at one point. Then his father suddenly died. He eventually converts to Catholicism, and then eventually becomes a priest. And he wrote this book in the early 70s is when he wrote The Lord of the World. And it's a fictional book, but it's about a dystopian future where an earthly leader starts to rise to power. And and most of the world believes in what we would call a humanism, that really the salvation of us... Is us is is human beings and the only supernatural religion left in the world is actually catholicism and there's like a stronghold of catholics that a lot of people move to rome and they're around that area and priests really can't minister even though churches are still there priests really can't go out in public in their clerics so there is kind of um, definitely a persecution but it's still, like, pseudo-allowed, you know, in that time. But there's a particular scene that they describe where somebody dies in a train station, but they see a man in a long jacket run up to him and pull a crucifix out of his pocket. And he gives that person last rites, and they realize, oh, could it be? Is that, is that really a Catholic priest? That became how rare it was in this world to see a Catholic priest out in the open. And so he kind of paints this picture that everybody has bought into This humanism, that we're really going to be able to save ourselves with technology and with the things that have been afforded to us in this current generation. And so, what happens is this person becomes um, essentially like the president of the world. And many, many people start to look to that person. And I'm not going to spoil the, the whole book for you, but it kind of paints a picture where we make humanity God. And God is no longer God, except for a very few believers. Uh, Pope Benedict said this when he was still Cardinal Ratzinger. He said um, that the church will probably have to get smaller at some point. And it's that smaller number of believers that will carry on the tradition of the church. And many think that that's what's happening right now. Um, But again, that, that remains for me to be the judge of that, right? And so it's one of those reminders that we have. But here's the important thing so I mention this periodically because I think it's something that we always need to revisit, is if we go back a little bit. We go back to the road to Emmaus, remember? Shortly before Jesus ascends into the heavens, right? What happens is that he's walking with two disciples in his resurrected body and they don't recognize him at first. And they're actually telling him about himself, (laughs) you know, because they say to him, are you like the only one that doesn't know what's happened in this time here in Jerusalem? And it's so great because he's like no tell me more and I always love that because jesus is like tell me more about me And and so they start telling him about that situation, right? And then they go down the road and they beg him there's something about this guy, right? And they're like, please stay with us stay with us And so Then they stay and they're about to share a meal together And then it says he takes the bread blesses it And he breaks it before them and then their eyes were open to them and then they recognized that it's actually Jesus in the breaking of the bread this is so important which is why i bring it up a lot is because again just as history our salvation history the history of us being saved is gradually unfolded this is one of those moments where for the rest of time those people for that brief time frame no longer have the walking talking Jesus there but for the rest of time until he comes again he's made known in the eucharist in the breaking of the bread so just like we see him here right the bread is broken and, and he essentially vanishes from our sight because we don't see him in the presence of the walking talking human jesus we only see him in his real presence in the bread and his blood and so so in in what in the bread become his body and the and in the, in the wine become his blood And so we know him in the true presence of the Eucharist until he comes and returns to us in that same way that he left. And we'll all recognize it in that moment. That's why we have to beware of the lords of the world, the people that come to us promising something, anything else other than Jesus Christ. It it can be a lord of the world. Uh, That's why materialism, getting caught too much in an earthly dwelling is, is a danger for every single one of us in this church right now. And so we always have to keep our eyes fixed on Christ and be ready for his coming. How do we do that? First, by what I was just talking about. In the Eucharist, we do it, our our best means of preparation are the sacraments that the Lord gives us. Because it is the what we would say the ordinary means. Remember, God can always work out... Uh, in extraordinary means, if he, if he has to and he needs to, through miracles, through all kinds of things. But he gives us ordinary means to do things. So when he leaves, he gives us the sacraments, which are his continuing ministry on this earth. So I, I say this often. In my own sort of reversion from young man raised Catholic that didn't know anything about my faith, what ended up working for me, just, just personally, was what every great Catholic grandmother and grandfather would tell you. (laughs) It was essentially, just just do the sacraments. And then, of course, me being a dramatic youth, I'm like, surely it must be more romantic and exciting and interesting than that. Please tell me it is. And no, it was not. It was through the ordinary means of receiving his grace, his sacraments. And I I love to say this definition because I think it's so, so important. We had a baptism last night, and I always remind those who are being baptized their families of this reality sacraments are visible signs of invisible realities right so we use normal things because we're people so god likes to use normal human people stuff to relate to us right so water oil bread wine things that we can actually eat and assimilate smell tuss, touch taste see all of those things for something invisible his grace into our hearts, His sanctifying grace into us, into the human person. Now, there are some people, there have been some people who have blessed in this world, saints, and, and, and certainly some among us here today, that have actually even been able to see even the invisible reality sometimes. When we think about that moment that John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and what does he see? He sees the dove and the rays of heaven coming down. He actually kind of sees the grace flowing into jesus now of course he doesn't need to be baptized like we do he comes first to make the waters of baptism holy for our use in the many ways in which water makes holy through baptism and so we remember that anytime we go to confession and we receive absolution we receive forgiveness from our lord jesus christ anytime we're here at mass and we receive jesus's true presence in the eucharist in us these are the ways that we are prepared every sacrament of the church so we spend our time keeping ourselves close to the sacraments and we spend our time preparing those who need to receive them teaching them how to receive them we we bring kids to the church so they can be baptized we continue to educate in the faith so that they can be confirmed and receive the Holy Spirit. It's like I said, you know, everybody just said, well, you know, go to daily mass, pray the rosary, and go to confessions. I was like, that's it? You know, I really did want it to be, like, far more exciting than that. But, but amazingly, many of you, I know, this has been true in your lives as well. You start doing those things. And you have this regular conduit of grace flowing into your life and your life is transformed and it continues to transform and you continue to get closer and closer to christ because the very last thing that we want when jesus is coming out of the sky again and the trumpets are being blown and the angels are preparing for his way is to look at each other and be like do you have the wrench no i don't have the wrench do you have the wrench You know, you you don't want to be in that situation that my friend was in. Like, no, I'm I'm not ready. I spent zero time being ready. I spent zero time being close to the Lord. And the great danger for all of us in the current age is that there's mass distraction. We have so many different ways that we can distract ourselves. I think of my grandfather, who's still alive. He's 95 years old. He was a World War II vet. And generally speaking... Nothing was even plastic when he was born to give perspective to things, right? Sometimes we need perspective on that. I was like, I, and, I, and I, this occurred to me many years ago. I was like, gosh, that means like everything was made out of metal, wood, glass, or stone. You know, I was just thinking, can you imagine a world without plastic? A lot of young people, this is like, well, everything's made of plastic. And so it, it's an amazing reality how things change. So we have so much now, so much can distract us uh you know we have a little entertainment system personal computers in our pockets and uh and and we really want to grab them and look at them all of the time right and so in this day and age it's usually not i don't have time to pray or i don't have time to be near the sacraments it, it's we need to reprioritize our time right anybody ever see the um your iphone gives you that horrifying screen time report at the end of a week yeah that's probably something you want to disable on your phone because then you realize you're spending way too much time on it right you know but but that's the thing the time is now just like jesus said in his day when he was walking on that earth repent and believe in the gospel right now and we don't ever have to be anxious or worried if we stay close to the sacraments because we are doing the very best thing to prepare for his coming by being close to them then we're already ready those folks don't you know and and this is very true of many people i've met on their deathbed it's amazing the people i have met who are dying dying one of the most anxiety-ridden moments of of somebody's life and that those who are close to the church close to the sacraments for for most of their life certainly towards that end of their life the amount of peace I see for many of those people, as opposed to some of their family members that struggle with belief and are not close to the church. Often I see a lot of turmoil in them. And and, and around here, that happens a lot for Father Carey and I. We're often with the sick and the dying very, very often. And so um, truly, those that are close to Christ in his sacraments and in the church, they have a completely dif- different disposition. That's the disposition we all want. None of us wants to be anxious. We truly want the peace of Christ, the Prince of Peace to reign in our own hearts. But that comes with that reprioritization that we really have to choose him now. And the equation, like I said, is simple. You know, we follow the sacraments that he gives us through his church. If we do that, we're prepared. We don't have to worry so much about it. Because when the time comes, you're like, You got the wrench? Yeah, I got the wrench. You got the wrench? Okay, we all got the wrench. You know, that's the thing. That's like us being in the church, right? That's the wrench. It's it's the key that's going to unlock everything for us to be in his company. Because he won't be foreign. That very thing that we don't want is to say another parable. Those that will come to me knocking on the door, Lord, Lord, let us in. And he says, I never knew you. But those who are close to him in the church know him. And the very best way that we can know him is in receiving him. His body is received into our body. And then what really happens is we're received back into his body. We, as we say, we are the body of Christ. So we receive him to be received into him. And that's how we're all united with each other. There is no closer way that you can be united with Christ than than to consume his body and blood in the Eucharist. If we can do that, then he knows you. You know him. And so that's what we seek to do, is for the rest of our life, we stay close to the church and we stay close to the sacraments. And if we can do that, if we can earnestly do that, then we really don't have to be anxious in trying to predict when he'll come again, because we'll always be ready. God bless you all.